Hey there, this is Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a newlywed couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, Scott has introduced me to a movie that I've wanted to see for a little while, have never seen. Yes. What movie is that, Scott? Well, I introduce you to 2009's The Watchmen. I think it's just Watchmen. It probably is just Watchmen. Ugh. Nice. Thank you. Well, there's two reasons why I really wanted to see this movie. Okay. Firstly, I wanted to see it because Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it. He is. And I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He was in Supernatural. He was. There were other people in this cast, by the way, that were in Supernatural. Scott doesn't know who they are. But I do, because I have a problem. But... The reason I especially wanted to see it recently was because I had just read the graphic novel yes. that this movie was based on. Yes. Uh, I came home one day and Frankie goes, I'm almost done with watching the graphic novel. I'm like, oh. She's like, I, I, I recorded the movie so I can watch it. I'm like, oh, well, I've watched the movie, so let's just do it for Shoot the Flame. Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch it. I'm like, but I want to watch it. I've recorded it. <laughs> so I held out. So we could do it for Shoot the Flick. Yeah. And I am a true patriot. She recorded it so long ago that they were still running Mike Bloomberg ads. Oh, yeah. Every like, commercial. <laughs> that was funny. We kept, like, fast-forwarding through the commercials. And every time, like, we'd see, like, little Mike Bloomberg really quickly. And and uh, Scott would just be like, Frankie, Frankie, Mike can get it done. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, he just dropped out of the race for, like, ever now. Yeah. So... This movie, Watchmen, yes. was based on the DC Comics graphic novel series by Alan Moore. Yes. And it was released from 86 to 87. Yes. It won a Hugo Award, which is like an annual like literary award for sci-fi and fantasy. And it won that in 88. Uh, it's a pretty widely known uh, series. Yeah. Um, I read it in college. I read it in like... I read it in like a week... Yeah, I want to say I read this in, like, a couple days, maybe. It's a great graphic novel. It's, yeah, it's really good. You know? And they... I was surprised at how faithful they were to the to the novel. Yeah. I actually really was surprised. But, I mean, this movie is, like, two and a half hours long, so, I mean, if they're gonna it's make almost, it that long, they better put everything in there, so... Uh, yeah, it, it's almost too faithful. There's so much in here, and, like... Usually, I, I we try to introduce movies to each other that, you know, that one of us, like, genuinely, like, likes the movie. Mm -hmm. Do you not like this movie? It's not that I don't like it. It's, I don't love it. I don't love it either. I liked it. But there are problems. Yeah. There are definitely problems. Problems where, this isn't a movie I would normally be like, hey, Frankie, you want to watch Watchmen? Right. I know what you're saying. I, I never would have, like, it's, it's not one of those movies I go back to. Well, Alan Moore, who created Watchmen. He also wrote uh, V for Vendetta yes, he did. and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. He, as far as uh, as far as IMDb is concerned, uh, he's never seen this movie and pretty much disowns all film adaptations of his work. Yeah, I guess. Uh, when he was asked about it, he reportedly said, quote, do we really need another shitty film in the world? <laughs> Uh, so, Alan Moore, you know, well, Alan Moore has kind of gotten the reputation of being a curmudgeon. He, he's kind of very, he also gets very, 
like aggressive when people like ask him about stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. I liked this movie. I wanted to like it more just because of how much I liked yeah. the novel. Rorschach, Night Owl, yeah. Spectre, and Comedian. I think we're all cast very well. Yeah, sure. Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan. Eh. Like... I wasn't a fan. Neither of them I'm a big fan of. It, it's okay. It's They're, yeah. they're okay. Alright, this film was directed by Zack Snyder, who quite infamously is one of those directors who's all about, like, style over substance, I would say. He's... Well, he started his his career as a guy who did, like, visual effects and shit. Right, he's very about the... The making things visual. look... Yeah. A certain way, but it tends to be his stories suffer because of how much the look of right. the movie is. Just to, you know, for example, he directed 300, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, so... Definite, like, you know, lots of uh, visual effects, lots of stuff happening. So, there were other directors who were considered. Okay. Because the movie rights for Watchmen were obtained in the late 80s. So, this has been, like, ruminating for a while. So, there's been a lot of talk about not just directors, but actors as well. That we'll get there. But there were other directors considered. Uh, Terry Gilliam. Okay, I can see Monty that. Python, Fear and Loathing. That would have been interesting. Michael Bay. Oh, God. Uh, Paul Greengrass, who was the Bourne movie. Yes. Uh, and Darren Aronofsky. Oh, God. Okay. Black Swan, Mother, that whole thing. Yeah. That and also, uh, interestingly, Tim Burton was also interested in directing with Johnny Depp as the comedian. Which I think would have been interesting. That could have worked. Um, it would have been very weird, but it could have worked. But during that time, I guess that he was in the mix for it. Uh, he had just started doing Sweeney Todd and Alice in Wonderland, so that just didn't work out time. Yeah, yeah um, that would have been a very interesting choice as a comedian. I don't know if he has... I think he could do it. He could. I don't know if he's... I love Jeffrey D. Morganism, though. Yeah, I... Depending on... Because he's dark. He's a dark character. Yeah. Because you look at, like, in this movie alone, he, he murders people, he, he enjoys hurting people. Yeah. He, he's he's not a good guy. No. No. I don't know if you can... No. <laughs> I don't know if you can pull that out of, like, your closest, I guess, you could get was Sweeney Todd, but even Sweeney Todd, you felt bad for him. I don't really feel bad for the comedian. No, you don't. You don't feel bad for him. Okay, so let's get into the nitty and the gritty. Oh, dear. I can't wait for the nitty and the gritty. This movie starts off with the comedian making himself some food and a drink. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan dominates a good quarter of this movie. Yeah. What I will say about Jeffrey Dean Morgan, because I know like now, because of Walking Dead, he's like huge and I feel like he's more appreciated for his talents now but um he's he's great in this and he's great in Supernatural he, he's really one of those actors that like across the board like good at everything he's in you know I put I put too much on your shoulders I made you grow up too fast 
You took care of Sam and you took care of me. You did that. And you didn't complain not once. I just want you to know that I am so proud of you. Even in movies that aren't necessarily great movies, he's fun in them. Like, Rampage isn't a good movie. I know it's not a oh, good no, movie. Oh, no, it's really, it's not a good movie at all. <laughs> but I love him and The Rock in it. They were both very good in it. We love The Rock. We do. We smell what The Rock is cooking, and we enjoy it. Yes, we do. Down at the Copa. The Copa Cabana. Oh, no, we're That's not it. playing that. We're not playing that clip again. As The Rock was saying, finish your song. At the Copa, Copa Cabana. Sweet cream. On an ice cream sandwich! What in the blue hell are you doing? Oh, God. Uh, no, so the comedian makes himself a drink. We get our first shot of Richard Nixon. Which, okay, I didn't notice it then, maybe because he was facing forward. But, like, the Nixon prosthetics are awful. The funny thing about it is... This came out a year after Frost Nixon, uh-huh. where Nixon actually looked really good in. Yeah, you almost made him. He made you made him looked, too cartoony. Yeah, his nose was literally like sticking. Like, there's one point in the movie where like he tur- he's turned like profile to the camera, and you can see his nose is just so like protruding. It looks like he's the fucking penguin from like the old Batman movie. <laughs> it's like weird. I, why would you do like why? Why? It's just, it's one of those things like it's it's distracting. It honestly takes you out of the movie. Yeah. Because of how distracting it, really is, it is. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I like that. Neither of us have seen the TV series, which we've heard. We both heard is great, you know. So we're just talking straight about the movie. Right. So we cut back and someone has br- breaks into the comedian's house. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there is a brawl. Yeah, they have this fight scene. Which looks cool, but the problem is, and it's the problem with pretty much every fight scene in this movie, almost all of them, I would say, um, it's, like, super dark, like, visually, like, I can't fully even see what's going on. <laughs> it's, to, like, to the point where it's annoying that it's so dark. And this is the thing I wanted, because we had this discussion later in the movie, and this is one of the things that bothers me, is, uh, they talk about these guys being... Just regular people who took up cowls and masks and shit. Mm-hmm. But these people aren't regular people. Ozymandias can catch a bullet. In the scene, the comedian gets lifted into the air, thrown through plate glass. Well, um, yeah. They're superhumans. Well, they're not, like, they're, they explain it kind of in a scientific or, like, physical, like, they explain it, like, it, Ozymandias is kind of like Batman, in a way. Well, Night Owl is Batman. Like, Right, but I'm saying, like, in the way that, like, he's super smart and he's super rich, so he has all this, like, technology and he's a scientist and he can create this stuff. So it's, like, kind of like that. Yeah, so we get into this big brawl and the comedian's getting his ass kicked. Yeah. He shoots a gun, he throws a... There's also a lot of slow-mo shots He did the fight scenes where he'll sex and will suddenly just go to slow-mo in this one, it's where he throws the the glass at the intruder. But yeah, it's it's a lot of it's just way too dark to see, and it's like cause it was it, a bummer because like it looks like the choreography is like cool and like the fight scenes like super like well done. Yeah. But you just can't really fully like appreciate it because it's like shrouded in darkness. Yeah. And then you get 
the first line of the comedian going, "This is it's all just a joke." Yeah, that's like a running thing in the movie. They say everything's a joke. Yeah, so the assailant finally picks up the comedian over his head and throws him out the glass window. So the comedian falls to his death, and his little smiley face pendant, which is the Watchmen uh, cover, mm-hmm. as is laying on the ground with blood running underneath it, and that is... That's, that's our opening. That's our opening. Our cold open, <clears throat> as some would say, because then we get into times are changing. They get into this opening credit sequence uh, with Bob Dylan's times they are changing over it. It's like super long. It basically goes over the whole song. Um, and then in that sequence, they like show like the history of the superheroes. Minute- yeah, like the su- the superheroes in this world. Like it's the Minutemen in the forties, and then like later on, it's the Watchmen. Yada yada yada. And there's one point where like it's implied pretty heavily that the comedian killed Kennedy. <laughs> oh. Very, it's not implied, it's basically it's said, <laughs> like right out there that, that it was basically a political hit, basically. Because they yeah. say, uh, later on, they say the comedian was working for the government, but yeah, so the comedian killed Kennedy. It starts out all happy go lucky, like, oh yeah, the superheroes are getting together, and then it's like they start dying. Uh, there's two that are, uh, there's a lesbian superhero, yeah, who gets like murdered in her bed. Yeah, and then they write, like, whores and blood on the wall. Whores and blood. Certain superheroes get gunned down. One of, them, one of them gets institutionalized. It turns out Nixon, like, made it so superheroes are illegal. In the novel, it's called The Keen Act. Which is also like The Incredibles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. Who did it better? The Incredibles. So I'm not, not, uh, not, well, yeah, I'm not, not even joking but, here. You know. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock! So yeah, so we go through all of this, and then uh, Rorschach appears. So this is we got our introduction Rorschach, to Rorschach, the coolest character. Yeah, he he breaks into a comedian's crime scene, and he starts monologuing like uh, throughout the movie. He's monologuing as like his journal entries, like in the novel, Rorschach's journal, and it's very like noir. The gutters are full of blood, and when the drains finally scab over. All the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up around their waists. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And I'll whisper, No. I mean, he's he's kind of a psycho. Oh, he's definitely psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, not only is he psychotic, he's just, he's fucked up. He's lost, he's one of those people that's almost lost all sense of humanity. Yeah. Um, he walks around all the time with this cloth over his face with, like, black ink blots all over it, uh, and, like, he really doesn't really ever take the mask off. Actually, if you think about it, a lot of these characters have very similarities you could pull towards Batman. Yeah. Um, Rorschach, you know, becomes his superhero alter ego pretty much, uh... Night Owl is Batman with right. the gadgets and shit. Right, yeah. And Ozymandias is peak physical form of, like, a person, human being, so he would be Batman. Right. But um, what annoyed me about Rorschach, and it's really the only thing that annoyed me about Rorschach, is that um, 
his like the ink blots on the mask. Yeah. Like are moving and changing, and I'm like looking at it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, wait, it, and I look at Scott, I'm like, am I crazy or are the ink blots like moving? He's like, no, they are. I'm like, why? <laughs> Yeah, they don't ever... Why are they doing that? They don't ever explain it, and there's a point where it's not on his face and it's given to him. Right. Later on in the movie, and Inkbots aren't moving, so it only starts moving when it's on his face. It doesn't make any sense, though, because in the novel, he worked in a garment factory or something, and he was, like, he had this, like, material... For like a dress or something that he like that he was being like hired to make, and instead of making the dress, he like has this cloth and he uses it to make his mask, and then he becomes Rorschach, yada yada yada, because the world is horrible. Um, but like the, it's just like regular old cloth with like black spots all over it that kind of look like a Rorschach test. Like yeah. it's nothing like yeah mystical or technological no. that makes the things move. Like there's nothing like that. So when I saw it in the movie, I was just very confused. I mean, it kind—it didn't look bad or anything. It was just like it was kind of distracting a little bit for me, maybe because I knew it was like weird. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> like when I first saw this, I'm like, yeah, it looks really cool. It's a cool concept, but for why? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense, and they never really explain it. But in this movie, he's definitely, I would say, the best character. Yeah. Um, just like in the novel, I thought he was the best character, too. He was, like, the coolest. But in this movie, he's played by Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. Um, who's, I mean, basically an unknown. I don't think anyone knew him before this movie. No. But after this movie, in 2010, he played Freddy in A Nightmare on Elm Street oh, remake, God. which supposedly is bad. I never saw it, so. But I <sighs> heard it was bad. It was rough. But according to Scott, like, you said that he... Well, everyone who saw this, and this was like a big thing of comic book movies, everyone after watching this movie was like, oh, this guy, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, he's going to be the next big thing. Like, everyone saw, like, he, he was... This was the guy who was going to become gigantic. Mm -hmm. And a nightmare happened, and he fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, which is a shame, because he did really well in this. Um... But what I will say about the cast in general, before we get to everybody else, I do like that they didn't really use any big, like, A-list celebrities. Pretty much everybody is, like, lesser-known actors, some of them character got, actors. Some of them got bigger after this. Right. But, like, at this time, like, they no. weren't really anybody. No, they weren't. Uh, Which I I appreciated that. Yeah, and it, it went well. Uh, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. It, was, it, it went pretty well. I honestly don't think they had a lot of, uh, not faith, but they, I, they didn't want the budget to become so overblown. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Because this is DC, it's like a comic book movie, but like, it's not like a, a, like, a team, I guess, DC property. So, yeah, the comedian's killed, Rorschach is now, like, raiding the crime scene, finds the comedian's... Pin. The pin, he finds, like, his little... Uh, his secret closet. Right, and he figures out that this guy who was murdered was the comedian, and he comes to the conclusion that someone is after masked superheroes. Yeah, they're killing masks. So he goes around to try to warn other masked superheroes that he knows, 
the first being Dan, <laughs> which was the Night Owl. He's played by Patrick Wilson, uh, who is a bit more of a prominent actor now, but at the time, again, wasn't really well known. Yeah. Uh, I think most recently, what anyone would know him from, he was the brother, the villain in uh, the new Aquaman movie. That's right, he was. My brother has come from the surface to challenge me for the throne. Uh, and also, apparently, he gained 25 pounds for this particular role. I guess to like beef up a yeah. little bit, you know, have the superhero stature. Oh yeah. So Vorshak uh, basically breaks into Dan's house, and Dan comes home and is like, "What the fuck?" And he's just sitting there eating a can of beans. Hello, Daniel. Rorschach. Help myself to some beans. Hope you don't mind. No, no, of course not. You want me to heat those up for you? Mine like this. <laughs> Facing away from Dan, which is important. Uh -huh. Because it, it comes later that nobody's seen Rorschach's face. Not even Dan, who basically was his partner in the old days. Right. He, he looks at Rorschach, he goes... Whatever happened to the good old times? And Rorschach goes, "You quit." <laughs> Shots fired. So they have a they have a love hate relationship. Yeah. So, but basically, Rorschach goes there and tells him, "Like, hey, I think someone's killing Matt. Um, so just be aware, basically." Yeah. This prompts Dan to go see Ozymandias, who is uh, Adrian Veidt. Uh, he's basically like a rich asshole. <laughs> he is. The, my issue with this character, at least the way they portray it in the movie, mm -hmm. is it's so obvious that he's the bad guy. Yeah, in the novel, it like he's introduced as just one of the heroes, as a friend to them, and then like it kind of it, it kind of comes out of left field, like towards the end that he's the villain. Spoiler alert, he's the villain. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, in this movie, he's so obviously the villain because they portray him like just a run-of-the-mill, cookie-cutter, superhero movie villain. Yeah, he, he, the way he looks, the way he acts. Yeah, he's played by Matthew Good. He, he's kind of one of those actors that kind of just pops up now and again. He's like, whatever. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's just the way, like... But yeah, the, this is one of the choices that Scott and I both didn't really like. He's just, he's so... It's so obviously, and this is a problem with Zack Snyder, too, is sometimes he, it's too obvious. This is one of those roles, if you cast somebody mm. who normally always plays a good guy. Yeah. Hypothetically, like, not saying this guy, but not saying as the guy, but Tom Hanks type. Uh, right, I like the type he's always, always good. Right, I get what It you're would trick people into buying... This persona he's putting on in the beginning of the movie. Right. I did find it interesting, though. Uh, he's in the miniseries, supposedly. He's in the miniseries. Because um, I was looking up the cast for, like, that show just to see, like, yeah. who's in it. Um, but I didn't find any names that were recognizable as far as, like, the characters. Except for Adrian Veidt is in the show. He's older, though. So I don't yeah. know what that means as far as the timeline of the show. I'm not sure. But he's played by Jeremy Irons, which I thought was, like, a interesting choice. 
Because even though, like, yeah, Jeremy Irons is kind of famous for being a villain. I mean, he played Scar, for God's sake. I'm surrounded by idiots. So, like, obviously, like, he's very villainous. But, like, he's obviously, like, really good at it. <laughs> well, if, hypothetically, if the show takes place mm -hmm. after the movie. Right. Or after the book. Mm -hmm. You would assume... Rorschach's journal comes out into the world, mm -hmm. so he would become the villain because everyone would know what he did. It would be, it would have been nice if they did it like they did it in the novel, in the way that it was kind of a misdirect. Yeah, with him. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. So he goes and tells him that Rorschach has this idea about uh, a killer killing masks. Adrian's like, "Don't worry about it." Yeah, basically, it's fine. he like, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no one's coming after me. So, so now we cut to Rorschach talking about how he's got to tell two more people, the last two people of the Watchmen to tell, mm -hmm. and that's Silk Spectre and uh, Dr. Manhattan. Yes, which uh, their like real names are Lori and what's Dr. Manhattan's real name? I don't remember. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. He's Dr. Manhattan. But Lori, like, is mostly called Lori in the movie. Yeah. Because um, she's Silk Spectre too, technically. Yes, that's her, like, superhero name. Uh, Lori is played by Malin Ackerman. She did a good job in this. I liked her. Uh, and then Dr. Manhattan is played by Billy Crudup. I think that's how you say it. Um, he's also kind of a run-of-the-mill kind of character actor that pops up out again. He was in Big Fish. I love Big Fish. Yeah. Hugh McGregor movie. Can you tell I love Hugh McGregor? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, he was one that I had a problem with, too. Um, so, Dr. Manhattan is basically this, like, larger-than-life, blue, glowing, godlike figure. He can do yeah. anything. You know, he can materialize and dematerialize. He can yeah. transport people, like... He's a god. Two here and there. He's like this brilliant mind. He's a god. And it's just weird when he's there, this like crazy godlike looking specimen. What's and that? then he opens his mouth and he sounds like a boring, bland white guy. Like literally just like a librarian, like going... Shh, children, you have to be quiet. We're in a library. Like that kind of voice. And it's like, oh, no. No. <laughs> if the United States and Soviet Union engage in all-out war, the resulting blast wave would produce a sudden burst of tachyons, particles which travel backward through what you perceive as time, therefore obscuring my vision of the present. Now... I, I was talking with Frankie about this. The voice I always thought would be a great voice for him because he's got a booming voice would be Keith David, who plays Goliath on Gargoyles. Especially now that Xanatos has been defeated and this castle is truly ours once more. And a bunch of other stuff, but that's where I know him from first. Right. And he's got he's just got this deep voice and I'm like but I think in the comic he is a white guy and I feel like they weren't gonna stray right. that far and, from and it. Like it's not the it's not the fact that he's a white guy. It's just the fact that like he's just so bland. Like you would think being a god and stuff, like he'd have a little bit more of an imposing 
presence, and like, he doesn't at all. No, I, I, it just I, doesn't like feel like it fits. I, I just think the voice doesn't fit. I think everything right. else, like the way they, no, the visual is fine. Like how he does things, I think that works well. Um, but it just yeah, the voice just doesn't work. And I, I always when I read the com when I read the graphic novel. Yeah, I, I pictured him with a deeper voice. Right. So, Rorschach breaks in to the secret government base. Yeah, to meet with them. Uh, and he basically warns them about, you know, his theory about people killing masks. And Dr. Manhattan's like, mm, no, I don't think that's true. Yeah, Rorschach. Okay, you're done, bye. So, Dr. Manhattan gets, like, kind of, like, annoyed with him. And he basically, like zaps him away. Uh, like, mid-sentence. <laughs> and Rorschach finishes his sentence in the rain, which is yeah. actually very funny. I actually enjoyed that part of it. Um, so, yeah, spec you find out Spectre and Dr. Manhattan are... Shacking up. Are shacking up, they but their relationship seems to be on the rocks. Yes, because he he's basically, like, very cold and kind of uh, unfeeling. Yeah. I mean, it's implied that he does have emotions, but they're very buried under, like, the coldness and the... Well, yeah, when you know your entire future and your entire past, it becomes very difficult to connect with humanity. So after this scene, Laurie goes and has dinner with... Laurie goes and meets with Dan. You know, uh, Manhattan's like, oh, you know, you should call Dan, you know... It'd be good for you to see an old friend. So they go out to dinner. And they're actually very cute, Dan and uh, Lori, in this movie. They're, they're, they're cute. Patrick Wilson's like a little nervous, his big glasses, and he's like, Meh. <laughs> Yeah, so they're having dinner. They're talking about this guy who used to just go and try and get them himself beaten up by them. Right. And then the Spectre goes, Whatever happened to that guy? He's like, and Dan goes, he tried to have Rorschach, and Rorschach dropped him down the elevator shaft. Yeah, and then they just start laughing, and it's like, ah, ha, 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 someone murdered someone else. It's Rorschach funny. killed a guy who didn't deserve to be killed. <laughs> um, so that happened. So the overarching thing for this whole... Uh, movie is that like this world they're worried about the Russians starting a nuclear war they cut to a new segment at one point yeah and they're like what's to stop the Russians from you know starting nuclear war and then the one person's like oh well we have Dr. Manhattan so yeah. they're not gonna start shit with us <laughs> yeah Dr. Manhattan they said he's at one point they call him the ultimate weapon the ultimate deterrent to nuclear war, basically. Right. After the dinner's over, we cut to Comedian's Funeral. Yes. Um, which they play The Sound of Silence over it, which I like that song, so that was okay. There are a lot of there are a lot of music choices in this movie, some of which are fine. Yes. And some of which are fucking weird. We will get there. But, like... Yeah. Why? <laughs> but, yeah, Sound of Silence is a good choice. But we get... Dr. Manhattan sends Lori to talk to her mother because Lori didn't like comedians, so she didn't want to be there. Right. Uh, because she knows about comedian trying to rape her mother. 
happening. Right. So we meet Lori's mother, Sally, who was also a superhero like back in the day. She's played by Carla Gugino, who is the mom from Spy Kids. You know you know her from that. Damn straight. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's got like very obvious old prosthetics on. It looks kind of bad, but we won't talk about that. She's talking to Lori about like the good old days when she was a superhero and uh and she mentions that she feels bad that Eddie the comedian is dead and Lori's like how can you feel bad for this guy after what he did to you and then they kind of have a flashback to when they were on like a superhero team together Sally and the comedian and they show it very like they I was surprised they actually did the scene uh because it's in the comic of the comedian attempting to rape Sally. Oh, it's very violent because he punches it's her. Very violent. He punches her. He slams out. her into the pool table. Yeah, and he's like about to rape her, and then someone else, like some other hero, comes in and stops it. Um, but yeah. And then you come back to her, and she's like touching his picture. Yeah, it's it it's uh interesting. <laughs> it's very uh, it's not a good image. But then we cut back to the funeral and. Dr. Manhattan kind of has his flashback with the comedian, and it's basically him and the comedian in Vietnam basically stopping the Vietnam War. Yes. In this world, we win the Vietnam War yes. basically because of the superheroes, Manhattan and the comedian, uh, but mostly Manhattan. And uh, Manhattan's a god. <laughs> the war is over. They're like celebrating. They're, he, them, two of them are at a bar and they're drinking. Uh, yeah. And this pregnant Vietnamese woman comes in oh, yeah. and says to the comedian, hey, what are you going to do now? The war's over and I have this baby. Yeah. It's yours. Like, what are you going to do? And we're like, oh, fuck. Uh, and the comedian goes literally, I'm uh, going to leave. Yeah, like, no, fuck you. Bye. And she's like, she breaks a bottle and slashes his face. And then all of a sudden, he whips out his gun, <laughs> shoots her. Dead. And wall up and hands like, don't! Right. And then he... In response to that, uh, in, in response to Manhattan being like, well, what the hell, she was pregnant, what'd you do that for? He goes, You know what? You watched me. You could have turned the gun into steam, the bullets into mercury, the, the bottle into goddamn snowflakes, but you didn't, did you? You really don't give a damn about human beings. So that's the, that's the kind of guy comedian is. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's really good at playing, like, likable villains because <laughs> Negan like kind of blew up Walking Dead in the way that like he was oh yeah I definitely that, see this guy a lot in Negan he, he was someone you love to hate and so I mean comedian kind of is too because he's just so awful but like Jeffrey D. Morgan is so good well I think it's just his I think it's Jeffrey D. Morgan's charm yeah exactly that's what I'm saying like he's just so good like if you casted somebody else with this these scenes probably wouldn't fly yeah, so, and then we get one more flashback with Dan, the night owl. He's with the comedian, and they're trying to, like, calm down this, like, riot that's going on. And, like, the, like Dan is just trying to, like, reach out to the people, like, okay, calm down, everyone, there's no need for violence. And 
immediately the comedian's just like, oh, fuck this. And he jumps out and he's like... And he starts shooting... Blowing people away. Blowing people away, shooting smoke rounds to the crowd. And Dan, like, says to him, like, what's happening to us? Like, you, you know... What happened, what happened to, to the American dream? Which goes, was kind of a dumbass line, but... It is, and, but he goes, this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is the American dream. So... So the funeral's over. The funeral's over, but we get one last shot of a random guy who's kind of off in the background who goes to the comedian's grave and leaves a rose and then walks away. And this... And then Rorschach visits this guy later. It turns out he is an ex-supervillain. Yes. Uh, he is Moloch, played by Matt Frewer. Uh, he, he does have other notable credits. He's uh, Max Headroom. He's Panic from Hercules. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, but I know him from Supernatural. Oh, That's right. There he is. There we go. There he is. Where's the baby? There he is. Where's the baby? There he is! <laughs> uh, he played the Horseman of Pestilence in season 5. That should be a shirt. Why? Is he on Supernatural? Question mark? Fred Frankie the, knows. Frankie knows. <laughs> Frankie will know. Um, but yeah, why do you keep like, trying to make everything a shirt? You're like a marketing genius over here. I like shirts. <laughs> I like shirts. I like That's a shirt. <laughs> I like shirts. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this, this guy... Um, he basically is being strong-armed by Rorschach. Rorschach's like, what the fuck? Why'd you go visit the comedian's grave? And he goes, because he came to see me a week ago. Yeah. And Rorschach's like, what are you talking about? Malik continues, he's like, I, he broke into my house and just sat in my bedroom drinking and crying, talking nonsense, and I didn't know what the hell about he was saying. About me... And him and a couple other people being on the list. Right. And he didn't want it to go this far. And uh-huh. he's like, you're my, you're the closest person I have to a friend because I've lived this shitty life. Yeah. Um, Isn't it funny? Fucking hilarious. Anyway, so Borshak is confused. He leaves and continues to, you know, monologue in the Borshaky way he does. He's very overdramatic. Edward Blake. Born 1918, buried in the rain, murdered. Is that what happens to us? No time for friends. Only our enemies leave roses. But we love it. Oh yeah, because we oh we totally missed the line. A comedian died today. <laughs> He's got a lot of uh, snappy little lines in there. Um. So before we move on, uh to the rest of this plot. Now now that we've introduced all our main characters, I think it's the perfect time for my favorite segment, oh. Cast Coulda Been. I don't think we can afford this song. We'll put another game show theme song in here. Fucking idiots. Alright, so... I'm surprised that Scott has not yet insulted my segment, Cast Coulda-Bins. Well, you know what, dear? Have you come up with a better title? No, so I... is how you're a marketing genius? I'm, I'm coming around to your Cast coulda Oh, are you? Uh, are you? I am... 
acknowledging my wife's genius here. Okay. Oh, thanks, babe. Even okay. though she mocks me in my shirt. So here's the thing with this uh, this list of cast could have been. Yes. The Watchmen property, yes. like I mentioned before, was obtained uh, in the late 80s and has been kind of battered around pretty much ever since then. So there have been a lot, a lot of names thrown about over many years. Yeah. So some of these names are going to seem like like too old, but just think about them in their, in their prime. Right. Just, you know, think yeah. about it in their prime. Okay. Okay, because this is spanning generations yes. here. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's start. Let's start with Vorschach, because yes. he was our, our first our first guy here. So we have uh, John Hurt. Okay. Uh... Daniel Craig. Okay. Simon Pegg. That would never work, no matter what the decade. Sean Penn. Eh. And Robin Williams. Okay, I don't like really any of those choices. I don't like any of them either. <laughs> I don't like them. The, the one that I like the most, actually, is Simon Pegg. But I don't even know if I really like that. I think Jackie Earl Haley was our best choice here. Yeah, Jackie Earl Haley uh, definitely owns this role. Uh, and we'll get to it as we go on. He, you know, does even more stuff and he's even cooler. But definitely they made the right choice with him. Uh, let's go to the Night Owl. Yes. Uh, we have Richard Gere. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that too. It's got to be like a, like a goody two shoes kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner. Okay. Uh, gear's better, but okay. I like gear better. John Cusack's another good one. Yeah, John Cusack would be good. Joaquin Phoenix. Interesting. Joaquin, early Joaquin, I can see it. Yes. Now, not a chance. No, no. Now he's got like the Joker vibes. He's got the crazy motherfucker vibes. <laughs> really? He's had that for quite a while. Um, speaking of crazy motherfucker vibes, let's go on to the comedian. We got uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, nope. We got Gary Busey. That is... That's a little too crazy. <laughs> uh, this one's good, though. Ron Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman would have been, been cool. Yeah. Because he's like, I mean... That's basically like his typecast character, like the gruff. That like well, this Hellboy. You know what I mean? Anybody um, else for that? No, that's it. That's, I only. You know who I was thinking who would have been a good choice at least back then? Huh? Mel Gibson. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting. That definitely would have been interesting. He might have been too big to do a comic book yeah. property, but. If you had him back in the 80s, like, this would have been prime, like, he would have been, like, huge. Uh, moving on, let's see, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. We got the Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is that? What the fuck is that? Makes sense. That was a terrible accent. Awful. Sorry, guys. Let me make it up to you. Here's the Predator handshake. <laughs> Dylan. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I figured we just talked about Arnold, so why not? Yeah, sounds good. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Eventually, that's gonna get annoying. Maybe. We're gonna just 
squeeze all the juice out of that joke until there's nothing left but the rind. (laughs) Well, no, then we'll drop it for a little while, and then it will make a comeback. (laughs) Uh, We got uh, a Mr. Dolph Lundgren. Makes sense. Also makes sense. This one doesn't really make sense. You ready? Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Weirdly enough... When that name was probably being flitted around, it was probably years ago when he was still, like, floppy-haired, like, chill, excellent Keanu Reeves. But, like, it would work more now. Yeah, it would work more <laughs> now. Keanu than back then. That must have happened before, after The Matrix. That could have happened before guess, The Matrix. right? It had to. Because you... I. If you just had the Bill and Ted stuff, there's no way you make that choice. I get, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that... Really is the only thing that even kind of makes sense. Because he had, like, the monotone. And, yeah. Like, the, you know what I mean? That's true. But even then, I don't think it would have been good. No. I think I think if he did it... If they, if they remade a Watch movie now and he was Dr. Manhattan, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I think he... I, well, I also think he'd be a better Ozzy Medeus. And then, finally, we have Lori. The Silk Spectre. Yes. Um, so... We have Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, yeah. Who, in her prime, would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, Hilary Swank, which I don't just... I just don't. I'm not a big fan of her, so no. whatever. Jessica Biel, which okay. is kind of like the standard... Yeah. Like, you know, cool girl, like, role, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then Hilary Duff. <laughs> that one was weird. All I picture is just Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> like... Okay. Uh, I mean, I like Hillary Duff. I did. But, like, mm. <laughs> but yes, Razzie nominated Hillary Duff was in the running to be oh, suspect at one point. So that's interesting. Um. So, yeah, that was Cast Could Have Been. Okay. We can move on now. So now we get. The sex scene between Dr. Manhattan and Silk Spectre. Oh, no. <laughs> no one wants that. He's touching her face, and she's he's putting her, his fingers in her mouth. Ew. And she goes, oh, it tastes like a car battery. It, it's, just like, it's like licking a battery. I'm like, ew, how is that hot for you? Or anyone? Gross. Like, what the fuck? You never wanted to lick a battery? And then all of a sudden, like... You see, like, multiple hands, and it's like, oh, no. And then she, like, opens her eyes, and she's like, ew, stop it! And it's like, there's two of Dr. Manhattan. He's like, I was just trying to please you. I'm like, ew, stop. Also, we get the first shot of the blue dog. Oh, yes, we love a big blue cock. Because <laughs> that comes up a couple of times. Yeah, I, I've never, again, never saw this movie till today. But, like, when the movie came out, all I really remember being talked about was the big blue cock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like, it was a big fucking to-do. It was. And it still stands out to this day, because you did need it. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really paying close attention to the it, big it, blue it, cock, to be honest. Well, because we it also... It wasn't, like, distracting. They, fucking Rorschach's mask was more distracting. They cut it here a bit. Because oh. they cut the screen up a little bit because it was uh, on TV. Okay. In the movie, it's a lot more prevalent. Well, I feel like it would be more distracting if he was wearing, like, clothes. <laughs> well, no, because there's one point where he's wearing, like, the typical, like, I guess it's, you call it a Speedo. Uh, yeah, he's wearing, like, a, like underwear. And then he does wear a suit at one point. Yeah. He goes to, like, That's a, actually a cool shot where he's, like, 
doing this. Putting the clothes together. That's from the comic, too. Yeah. It's like magicking all the clothes onto himself. Because he's wearing clothes because he's going to an interview on TV. But before that happens, uh, Lori and him have basically... Break up. Yeah, they have this fight. She leaves him. Uh, and, yeah, that's it. And she goes to Dan. Yeah. Who they have, like, you know, cute moment. So then they we have this uh, part where it's, like, while Manhattan is going on the news and doing this interview, preparing for this interview and going on TV everything. Meanwhile, Lori and Dan are walking through the city to go, like, have a drink or whatever and hang out, and they get attacked by thugs. Yep. So, both these two scenes are, like, going back and forth. Um, so, yeah. Dr. Manhattan is on this talk show, mm-hmm. getting asked questions about the war, and, like, oh, should we be afraid, da, da, right. da, da. and one reporter brings up, well, what about this person? They got cancer. What about this person? They got cancer. What about your ex-girlfriend? She got cancer. All these people, supposedly, that have been hanging around Dr. Manhattan have gotten cancer, including his ex-girlfriend, Jamie, which, okay, in the comic, she wasn't actually there in the studio, but I guess for, you know... Shock purposes. Shock purposes, movie magic, you know, you gotta make it more exciting. They have... The girlfriend, Janie, the ex-girlfriend, I should say, show up to the studio. Uh, and it's very soap opery. Like, she's saying, how could you do this to me? And then she, like, has a wig on. She rips off her wig. Look what you've done to me. It's like, okay. Like, so over the top. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now everyone surrounds him and he's like, I leave me alone. And he, like, zaps himself to Mars. While this is happening... Nice. Lori and Dan have this fight in the alley. And, like, again, it's, like, the same problem as the other fight scene with the comedian. It's, like, okay, this is, like, cool. Despite the fact that there's, like, a couple of questionable, like, CGI moments that are, like, really bad. But, <laughs> but for the most part, it's cool. It's well choreographed. But it's, like, dark. It's, like, yeah. annoyingly dark that you can't really see everything. It's annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it could have just brightened it up a bit, but yes, this is a little dark. But okay, so yes, at this point we get Dr. Manhattan's backstory, and Scott's going to tell the whole story, but what I will say is that I was so bored, <laughs> and I knew, listen, I knew the story going in because I had read the book, so maybe that had something to do with it as well, but... Um, like, his voice is so monotone and so sleepy, like, I just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I cross the room to the intrinsic field center. I find my watch. When I get to the door, Wally is turning white. The program's locked in. We can't override the time lock. I am terrified. And that's why I feel like because Dr. Manhattan is such a cold character, he doesn't really show much emotion on his face or anything. So you kind of have to convey something imposing in the voice. Yeah. And he doesn't do that at no. all. Um, 
So, yeah. So, we go through this whole backstory. Scott? Please. So, okay. I'll try and brief it a little bit. Yeah, you're so, just like the, you know. He's a physicist on the army base with his girlfriend and his best friend. He gets trapped in a, a test chamber and gets, like, obliterated. As he gets obliterated, parts of, like, his skeletal system shows up randomly. Then the skeleton muscle shows up randomly. And then he becomes full-form Dr. Manhattan in the middle of a cafeteria. And he's blue. And, of course, his girlfriend goes, John? Oh, yes, his name is John. <laughs> we figured it out, guys. Because she automatically knows it's him. Yeah, it's, I mean... He looks completely different. It, it, it made more sense in the comic, because he at least kind of looked like himself. In this, he doesn't really look at all like himself. I recognize that penis anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we love a big blue cock. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so... He, he's going through this relationship yeah, with her. Yeah, he's basically... Right. He's talking about how, like, after his accident, I and mean, he becomes Dr. Manhattan, this kind of, like, a paragon of, like, safety for the world, for the country, at least, anyway. Yes. Uh, and Because they, at uh, one point, say, uh... We repeat, the Superman exists, and he is American. So, he continues his relationship with Janie, Tells, telling her that he loves her even though he knows that something has changed inside himself and he doesn't really, like... He'll love her forever. And he does, right. and he meets Silk Spectre. But, like, years later, he meets Silk Spectre, Lori, and cheats on J Janie with Lori, and then they break up, and yada, yada, yada. The end result of this whole backstory is, like, you know, I... I'm not connected with this human world anymore. You know, this isn't... I don't belong on Earth anymore. And he proceeds to, like, make this, like, castle-looking <laughs> like yeah. looking thing on Mars just out of, like, nothing. And I couldn't help it while it was happening. All in my head I was thinking was, like, Elsa making the ice castle in Frozen. And I was just like, let it go, let it go. <laughs> By the way, this castle It's ugly. It looks really it's bad. It's a CGI fuck fest. It's just gross. It, like this is not aged well this part. Yeah, mo I mean, it's weird. This movie is like one of those cuz I feel like earlier movies with CG, they either hold up really well or they don't hold up at all. This is kind of one of those weird movies where it's like a mix. Like some of them some of the effects hold up fine. Some of them just look gross. Uh, this castle of ice and glass. Yeah, it looks gross. <laughs> so now we get the attempt on Ozymandias' life. Okay, so this is... Okay, yes. So explain what happens, and then I'll explain why there's a big fucking problem with it. <laughs> so Ozymandias is talking about uh, with a bunch of, I guess people who run different energy organizations and how he wants to make energy free for the world, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that will never happen. That's socialism. Let's talk about democratic socialism, not communism, Mr. Bloomberg. That's a cheap shot. Uh, he's like, oh, well, Jujaba will see. He, him, and his, him and his secretary and these four guys are walking out and some guy comes through the elevator 
pulls a gun, shoots his secretary in the leg, mm. as Osmondius is dodging right, shoots like one of the uh, other guys twice, and then another guy, and then Osmondius tackles him to the ground, like hits him to the ground, and then it's like, don't eat the poison pill, blah, 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 as he's, like, leaning over him, and he's like... He's like, oh, he's got a cyanide capsule. Don't you fucking do that, you son of a bitch. Tell me who sent you. Tell yeah, me yeah. who sent you. And he, 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 like, dies. So, okay. This is from the comics. It pretty much happens just like that. Um, there's, like, slight differences, but pretty much the end result is the same. The reason that there is a problem here is because... At this point in the comic, Ozymandias is in no way suspected of being a villain in this. No way, no how. In the movie, it's clearly fucking obvious that he's a villain just from the way he's talking and, like, the, like, cookie-cutter... The way they're framing it. Yeah, like, the cookie-cutter villainy speech that he's giving. I guess you could say, I've always been one. I mean, they say I'm the smartest man in the world, but the truth is I've often felt stupid. At being unable to relate to anyone. Well, anyone living, that is. The only person with whom I felt any kinship died 300 years before the birth of Christ. Alexander of Macedonia. Or Alexander the Great, as you know him. His vision of a united world was, well, it was unprecedented. It's just so obvious that he is not kosher. So... It works in the comic because it, he's already not suspected. And then he's attacked. So you doubly think, like, oh, there's no way he can be... The guy. Like, he's he's a victim just like everybody else. But in this, their attempt at a misdirect with this it doesn't work. Because it's so obvious that he's the villain. <laughs> like, when he's... like. On top of the guy, like, telling him, don't, don't eat the cyanide capsule. You, like, suspect that, like, something is wrong. Well, also, the way they framed that shot, you clearly see the guy freaking out. Yeah. Like, why would some guy who is who there... Is, who is going to, knows full well that he's going to kill himself, at, like, if he gets caught, like, why would he be freaking out? Like, like in that? his eyes are, are freaking out, so it's like... It, it, yeah, it just doesn't work in this like it does in the in the novel, which is unfortunate. So, Rorschach is now hears about the attack, the spitballing ideas, and he goes to see Malik because he figures out the guy who attacked Malik. Malik, the guy who attacked uh, Ozymandias, worked for this company called Pyramid, who Malik also works for. Right. So when he goes to Malik's house, um, he quickly realizes that Moloch has been shot in the head and killed, and the police are outside the house, <coughs> ready to arrest Rorschach. Yes. So he was set up. And he's freaking out. He's like, fuck, fuck, he's like, fuck, no, fuck. no, no, no. This is one of the best parts of the novel, so like, I was excited about this scene. Um, and it, it did go well, mostly because Rorschach is awesome. But uh, again, like they, d he does have kind of like a little like fight scene with the cops, uh, trying to arrest him. Yeah, the scene where the cop swings the hammer down, yeah. and Rorschach opens the door. And he goes, "Hey!" and he <laughs> kicks him. <laughs> yeah, it's that was good. great. 
The like the only thing that sucks is like when they get out on the onto the street and he's like like hand to hand combat with them. Again, like it's just too fucking dark, and I want to see. <laughs> like, yeah. Going on. But eventually, Rorschach gets tackled, and they rip off his mask. Get that mask off! Him. No! No! And he starts screaming, my face, my face, give me back my face. And he's arrested. Yeah, he's arrested. And then he's sitting with a psychologist, psychiatrist yeah. or whatever. Uh, because when he gets into the prison, like, he's surrounded by other criminals, some of them who he helped put in jail. So the psychiatrist is like, listen, if you, like, I could potentially get you put in solitary so you can be away from the public population. Uh, because if you're with them, they, you know, they could fuck your ass up. Uh, and he goes prison to prison. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I don't really give a shit. Uh, but he kind of goes through, uh, some Rorschach tests with him. Oh, ho, ho. And that leads to his backstory yes. of how he kind of got into... Well, how he became the man he is today. Right. Because it doesn't go, it, it, it touches a little bit on, like, this is where they mentioned briefly that his mother was... A prostitute. And abusive. And abusive. But it's like one scene and then he like beats the living hell out of those kids who were talking about his mom being a prostitute and bites one of their ears off. Yeah. So it touches on his childhood a little bit. It gets more into it in the novel. But really what the big flashback is, is of like how he, I guess, like really became very jaded of the world, I guess. Yes. And like how he has his view of the world now. So basically what... He, he, you get to this last image, and he's investigating this girl's disappearance. This, I think she, he said, eight-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. He's uh, investigating this girl's disappearance, and he got a lead on who took her. He breaks into the kidnapper's house and finds he's killed the girl, burnt her body, and fed the bones to his dogs. So he kills the dogs... And when the killer comes home, he throws the fucking dead dogs through the window at the killer, knocks the killer down, handcuffs him, and he, he's in there, and he's like, and he's like, okay, fine, I did it, I did it. And he takes the knife that he used to chop up the girl, and he goes, man, just take me to prison! And he fucking smashes him in the head with the knife. That's a really good shot. There's a shot where, like, he just is continually, like, smashing his head with the knife. And it's all in, like, silhouette. And it's, like, you see, like, the blood spurts in silhouette. It's That's a cool shot. And goes, uh... Uh, humans who go to jail, dogs get put down. Yeah. And he's like, that's what made me the man I am today, basically. Rorschach is definitely, in both the novel and this, the coolest character. Yeah. Um... I, you know, I also like, I like Dan and Lori as well, but, like, Rorschach is definitely the most, like, complex, I would say, character. Yeah. So, he's stuck in prison. Uh, then we, well, after this, we get cut to, uh, the cafeteria. Oh, yes, there's a cool fucking scene with him in the cafeteria. Where this guy's, like, like trying to start shit, he's like, oh, yeah, Rorschach, oh, yeah, motherfucker, I know you, you piece of shit, and he breaks the glass open, grabs fucking frying oil, and throws it at the guy. Yeah, which eventually does kill him, by the way. And he goes, What do you seem to understand? 
I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. So Silk Spectre and Night Owl are are messing around in Night Owl's like basement. Yeah, because Night Owl has this like ship, basically. Yes, Archimedes. Yes, they, he calls it Archimedes. It's basically shaped, it's got like two big eyes, like an owl, like two big windows. And he calls it Archie, short for Archimedes, who is uh, Merlin's owl. And I knew that because I, like an idiot, <laughs> have seen Sword and Stone, the Disney movie. <laughs> Why, I don't know, but I have. They're like playing around with like uh, his suit and like the ship as well and they're kind of like yes. flirty. It's kind of cute. He's like, "Oh, you want to try my my night vision goggles on?" Yeah, this is also after Spectre let his burns base down the house. <laughs> it's fine. It, it, it's fine. <laughs> Anything for some pussy. Anyway, so <laughs> so Dan like gives her his uh, night vision goggles, and he turns off the lights, and he's like, "Yeah." Whenever I look through those goggles, everything's clear as day. She also goes, uh... And she goes... Uh, well, she first goes, this rocks! Goes, yeah, I was like, what are you, fucking, like, little kid? Like, no grown woman talks like that. Okay. <laughs> but then, when they're, like, playing with the goggles, she's, like, an idiot. Like, clearly this guy is flirting with you, and he's very cute. Like, just, like, accept it. He's, like, a normal human with emotion. <laughs> like, jump on that girl. Like, what are you doing? So <laughs> she goes, oh, I'm, I bet this is how John looks at the world. And I'm like, bitch, this guy is clearly flirting with you. <laughs> and you're talking about your like weirdo ex-boyfriend. Well, he doesn't have a giant blue cock, Frankie. Oh, man. It's a problem. She needs it. And you know what? I bet you, you he... You can buy a dildo, paint it blue. It's fine. I, I bet you he doesn't taste like batteries. I bet you that Dr. Manhattan dildos exist. Oh, I know they do. Why do you know they do? <laughs> it's... Do you have one in no. your possession? I know I don't, but I know things like that tend to exist in the world. Because when The Incredible Hulk came out, I listened to a bunch of podcasts, and I'm like, oh, can you believe there's an Incredible Hulk dildo? There was definitely a Dr. Manhattan dildo when this movie came out. Fun. So then, like, after that, Dan's like, oh, okay, well, you know, just uh, lock up the stuff when you're done. Like, he's all sad. Like, uh, well, whatever. Wah, wah, wah. And then he goes upstairs, and then, like, maybe, like, five seconds later, she comes upstairs, and she just starts making out with him. And she's like, John can't see me. And then starts making out with him. And, yeah. of course... It's so awkward. It's awkward, and he can't Get perform. it up. <laughs> now, here's the thing. In the novel, like, Silk Spectre, she's, like younger like she's not like jailbait or anything but she's younger like in her i want to say at this point like late 20s maybe probably mid late 20s and in the novel uh dan is like older like he's like 40s maybe yeah so that's in the novel they do the same thing like they start like making out or whatever and he can't get it up but like it's more believable in the novel because he's older and like hasn't had a girl in a long time but it's like in this, Patrick Wilson looks like he's the in same his age. late twenties. Like they all look the same age. Late twenties, early thirties. So like it's like really like you can't get up, bro. No. 
it like looks weird. But like it's also like they play it off cute. Like it's very awkward and oh, yeah. like you know, it, it's they they act it out well. They they have like this intimate moment and they're like sleeping on the couch together and they have this like weird dream sequence with Dan. Dan's it made no sense. And again, super fucking dark. I didn't even know what the hell was happening. Yeah, where he becomes Night Owl, she becomes Spectre, they kiss, and then the world blows up. It's basically there to imply Dad's afraid of nuclear holocaust. Right. Uh, Which, I mean, like, same, I guess? <laughs> or isn't everyone? <laughs> uh, at this point, though, also Rorschach gets visited by a crime boss. Who is a little person. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's in the novel as well. He's done a lot of things. Uh, he's like a mob boss kind of character, and like he blames Rorschach, I guess, for being in prison. So he's like, "Yeah, Rorschach put, Rorschach put him in prison fifteen years ago." Yeah, and Rorschach makes jokes at his height. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rorschach does that. Doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's a cool like little scene. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get you." And then we cut back to Dan and Lori, and they... Dan's they, downstairs in the, yeah, he's like, in the know, owl cave. Yeah, he's thinking about, <laughs> he's thinking about like, his, the good old days when he was a superhero, and Lori's just like, let's, let's go fucking do superhero shit. Like, let's just do it. So they suit up. Yes. They get into Archie. Which, where did Lori get her stuff? Oh, yeah. She has, like, a spandex suit, which she referenced earlier that, like, when she was a superhero, she had a spandex outfit. Why do you just have that at, at your his house? Uh, I mean, yeah, what, like, where was that? Like, where did you get that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. So, they go off, and they end up saving a bunch of people from, like, a fire. Yes. Surprisingly, somehow, after this, like, you know, exciting, exhilarating superhero moment, Dan decides, I'm feeling a little frisky. I'm a fuck you. <laughs> In this owl ship, I'm a fuck you. Now, it's it's a it's 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 a scene. Yes, <laughs> I don't like this scene, <laughs> and it's not because it's a sex scene. I'm fine with sex scenes, although the sex scene itself is like it's pretty graphic. Yeah, but like I don't mind that. What I mind is the music choice. Immediately, like, when they start fucking... Hallelujah. Hallelujah comes on. But not just, like, the regular song Hallelujah. That would be weird enough for this particular moment. But uh, Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah comes on. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really... doesn't even kind of fit in what's happening right now what what it was like distracting and weird and they kept like showing their like cum faces it was weird and then to top it all off yeah i'm still like wait for it wait for it to top it all off as dan is about to ejaculate like they accidentally press a button and the fire like shoots out of the thing out out of the ship like the fire cannons or whatever, and I'm like, really? A fire cum shot? Yep. Are we being serious? Yep. 
like what is this a cartoon now like yeah it was so I, I just did not like that scene even a little bit <laughs> and it's upsetting because I like Dan and Lori as a couple I like them in the novel and I like them in this I like their like chemistry they're like cute together yep but like no no <laughs> no 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 You misunderstood. So after they fuck, um, they decide, you know what we need to do now that we've saved these people from this fire and we've made sweet, passionate love? Yep. Let's go break Rorschach out of prison. <laughs> Let's just go. <laughs> so that's what they do. Yeah, they go to go break him out of prison. But that's already on their way. <laughs> All right. Well, because there's a riot in, yes. in, the, in the process at the prison yeah. because they basically the little person mob boss guy he uses the death of the guy who gets the oil splattered on him from yeah. Rorschach he dies and they use that as like a distraction to start a riot like the guards are distracted or whatever so they end up starting a riot and it's like absolute chaos uh, one guy gets thrown off the second floor and you hear the Wilhelm scream <gasps> Woo! and then the the little person as well as two, like, of his henchmen are trying to break into Rorschach's cell. Yes, one guy goes, I'll get you, and he reaches his hands, and, and Rorschach ties his hands together and breaks his thumbs. And he's like, and they're like, well, you're in the way of us coming into the cell, so they cut his arms off, and he's dead. And then the second guy uh, breaks in. He uses, like, a, like a bandsaw or something yeah. from the prison, like, workshop or whatever. And he breaks into the cell, uh, and then Rorschach immediately, like, knocks him into the toilet, water spilling all over the floor, and then, like, the wire from the bandsaw gets in the water and electrocutes him. And Rorschach looks at the mob boss and goes, Do nothing. Your move. And then he runs away. <laughs> so, fun. Um, so, Rorschach now goes to the psychiatrist... Yeah, and he, he goes to the office of the psychiatrist, gets his face. Yes. Uh, so he gets his face back, puts it back on. And then as he comes out, um, Dan and Lori are there. Uh, and they kick the crap out of a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, they kick the crap out of a lot of people looking for Rorschach. They find him as he's going into the bathroom after the mob boss guy. Yeah. And they have a really cool shot in here where like, he goes in to the bathroom and it's like a swinging door, and it keeps swinging back and forth. And every time it swings back and forth, you see like Rorschach's getting closer. Bathroom. Yeah, it's like really, it's a cool fucking shot. And then uh, these they leave, and the blood pours out of the bottom of the door because Rorschach killed this fucking guy. Yeah. So now they fly off back into the owl cave. As they get there, Doctor Manhattan's there, and Lori against uh, Dan's protestations. Leaves with him and goes to Mars. Uh, and she she's like, oh, uh, she gets to Mars, she can't breathe, and Dr. Harriet goes, oh yeah, I forgot you can't breathe in space. Yeah, but Dr. Manhattan basically is like, listen, you're gonna try and convince me to save the world, and, you know, this is, this is gonna end in tears, and I'm like, oh boy. So, during this, Rorschach and Night Owl have this whole, like, heart-to-heart 
Yeah, I like their relationship because Dan, like, is just, like, a good guy. Rorschach is just a psycho, but, like, they somehow, like, care about each other. God, who do you, who do you think you are, Rorschach? You, you, you live off people while insulting them, and no one complains because they think you're a damn lunatic. I'm sorry. I... I shouldn't have said that, man. I know I'm hard to deal with. Yeah, like, goes, that's something that like you're a good guy. <laughs> they have yeah, they, they have a fun relationship. I like them. Together. So they Lori's convincing Doc Manhattan that they have they, it's cutting back between these two scenes basically. Right. Uh and Rorschach and Night Owl break into Pyramid to find out what Try and figure out what's going on here, you know? Yeah. What's what's the tea? Um and eventually they figure out that Adrian Veidt, who's Osmandius, he owns. basically owns Pyramid. Like, it's like a, it's, it's, a room. It's a shell company. Right. Meanwhile, on Mars... Dr. Manhattan and Spectre are talking, and basically Spectre's like, you know what, you're not going to come save the world, fuck you. He says, like, um, you know, how can you expect me to care about humanity when you won't even accept humanity for what it is and she's like what do you mean show me what are you talking about and he like gives her a vision of her past and she she discovers that comedian is her father you are the father apparently after the attempted rape sally her mother had gotten like drunk one night and had had an affair with comedian, comedian. Um, and apparently, like, later on, like, when Silk Spectre started becoming a superhero, and they had this, like, group meeting uh, with a bunch of the superheroes, the comedian was there, and they had, like, a chat or whatever, and the mom showed up, and yeah. she was like, get your hands off her, get in the car. What's and, the like, problem? I'm just talking to a friend's daughter. Yeah, but he, like, pauses where, like, you know that he knows. Because in the comic book, you don't really know if he knows yeah. that uh, Silk Spectre is his daughter. But in this, in the movie, they make it clear that, like, he knows, like, that she's his daughter. So, yeah. And then she's very upset, obviously. She's crying. And this is, like, the moment where... Dr. Manhattan believes in humanity again because he's like millions upon millions of cells compete to create life for generation after generation until finally your mother loves a man Edward Blake the comedian the man she has every reason to hate and out of that contradiction against unfathomable odds it's you only you that emerged. So they decide that they're gonna go back to Earth. Yeah. And Dr. Manhattan's gonna save the world. So Rorschach and Night Owl during this drop off Rorschach's journal someplace and he goes, Rorschach's final entry. We're going to Antarctica to fight Ozzy Mendias, like basically. Yeah, like he basically puts in the journal that uh, Adrian Veidt is behind everything that's happening. Uh, and I don't think 
Dan realizes that he... No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think he just does it on his own where he drops off the journal so he can get to, like, the local paper. Yeah, just um, in case he happens to die. Yeah. So they go to Antarctica where his evil lair is, and he's he's got a lair. It's got all these, like, cameras and televisions yeah, he and killed- a big fucking CGI cat that, that looks-, looks ugly as fuck. So, yeah, so we get this whole big scene... Uh, where Night Owl and Rorschach are trying to sneak up on Nazi Bendias, and he just fucks their shit up. While this is choreographed well, this also looks kind of bad, just with the way they're flying around the room, and they're getting up, and they're fine, and shit. Yeah, it's the only one that's, like, well-lit, and it's, like, the least exciting, like, fight scene. <laughs> but, Let's explain, because okay, so this they is- explain his master plan here. So, this is the biggest difference from the book. Right. He had sent off an attack on, I think, 15 major cities to kill 15 million people, basically, and make it look like Dr. Manhattan basically attacked and killed all these people. Right, because earlier in the movie, it's established that he is working with Dr. Manhattan to try to replicate his powers in, like, a practical way, and I guess... Like, they thought they were doing it, you know, for science, but, like, really, Osmond Diaz was doing it for this evil plan. But in the book, it's very, it's similar, but instead of making it seem like Dr. Manhattan did this attack, he just makes it seem like it's, like, an alien invasion. Yeah. Um, But either way, I mean, the end result is the same. So the reason that he did this was he wanted to unite the world against a common enemy being Dr. Manhattan and this would supposedly in his mind stop nuclear war yeah. from happening. So he 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 basically is like his plan is going on and then Dr. Manhattan shows up. He starts chasing after Osman Diaz. Osman Diaz thinks he lays a trap for him that Dr. Manhattan falls into the his matter being destroyed again. Right, right. But and before doing that, he kills uh, Osmond Diaz's CGI ugly cat, which we're all thrilled about. Well, he, the cat dies in the, in the yeah, matter yeah. destruction. Then Osmond Diaz comes out and Silk Spectre tries to shoot him with a gun. Yeah, and he just, like, doesn't die. <laughs> he, he rolls down the stairs. Because they hinted earlier that he, he said he was fast enough to catch a bullet. And he... Puts his hand down and he shows that he caught the bullet and kicks the crap out of all three of them again. Then Dr. Manhattan shows up, all big, throws his hand into the fucking... Big scene! Big scene! Animal! <laughs> and basically, so now he knows it's over and he go, looks at Ozzy Mendez, who's on the floor and goes, The world's smartest man is like the world's smartest ant to me. You are not a threat. But then... Osmond Diaz kind of shows all of them the result of what happened because, like, you know, these bombs or whatever went off and all these people are dead. But now he looks on the news and he sees the president making an address saying, like, we all have to come together now and protect ourselves against this threat. threat. We're backing off from the war against Russia and Russia's backing off. So Osmond Diaz is like, see, it worked. Uh, and this is why we have to let this plan play out. We can't say anything. Uh, and at first they're like, no, no, no. But Dr. Manhattan's like, 
no, he's right. We gotta just leave it like this. And Rorschach's not having it. Rorschach is not having it. He's like, no, this is this is wrong. It's peace based on a lie. We can't do this. And he like storms out. And Night Owl stops him at one point and go and he's like, are you sure? Like, what are you doing? He goes, it's the difference between me and you. I'm not willing to compromise in the face of even nuclear in, holocaust. Yeah, even, even in the face of the apocalypse, I'm not willing to compromise justice. Um, and then he he walks out, and Dan like eventually does go after him. Um, and Doctor Manhattan cuts him off at the pass. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan. This is like a great scene. So Doctor Manhattan cuts off Rorschach at the pass, and he's like, "I can't let you leave. I can't let you." you know, tell people what really happened here. And, and Rorschach's like, listen, you're not going to stop me from doing this unless you kill me, so you might as well do it. And he takes off his mask. Of course you must protect my new utopia. What's one more body amongst foundations? What are you waiting for? comic book, he doesn't like, Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan are by themselves. Dan doesn't see him actually die. But I like this version better. I like that Dan, like, sees it happen. Because he... yeah, he Rorschach is killed, which, uh, like, bummer, because he's the fucking best character. But it's, uh, it's a really cool scene, and Dan is just devastated. And then he goes back into the like, fortress or whatever, and he like, beats the holy shit out of Osmond Diaz. Come on! Dad. A world united in a peace. That had to be sacrificed. No! You haven't idealized mankind, but you've, you've deformed it. You've mutilated it. That's your legacy. Yeah. Because he can't beat the shit out of Dr. Manhattan, so he's the next best thing. <laughs> yeah. And Ozzy doesn't fucking lift a hand. No. So, this also led to another dumb thing, because they did this twice. Uh, when he blows up Rorschach, it's like in the shape of his mask, the yeah, Rorschach yeah. mask, in the snow, the blood. When uh, they were on Mars, and the, the, the ice castle fell apart, it was in the shape of a smiley face. Oh yeah, that was weird too, I didn't like that. That was really dumb. That was stupid. But, um, I... I didn't mind the Rorschach blood thing. That I didn't mind that. Um, but what I... It, I just think it was too smart. It was like, it was yeah, unnecessary. Know, whatever, but I did like the... I, I did like what they did with Dan in this part of the movie. Because in the book, he's kind of like in the same boat as everybody else. Uh, where he kind of like... He protests a little bit at first. But then he kind of goes on board and he's like, Oh, well, I guess we have to go along with yeah. this. But in, in the movie, he's more... I feel like it's more appropriate for his character to combat it a little bit more and be more conflicted about it. But yeah, eventually he does go along with it. Yeah. Um, and him and... They leave. Him. Manhattan leaves to parts unknown. He says he's, you know... Going to create life. Yeah. Because uh, Laurie was like, Oh, well, I thought you were down with humanity. Like, you're just going to 
like let this happen he's like well you know it's for the best and now i'm gonna leave and maybe i'll create some life somewhere else and he leaves uh and then dan and lori go off in the ship and leave osmond diaz to his own devices and that's yeah yep that's, they, they become a couple that. yeah they get together and then the last scene of the movie is a newspaper editor walks up to the guy and goes, Oh, God, everybody's singing Kumbaya. Oh, yeah. Shit. I, you know, the Russians and the fucking Americans. There's well, nothing to print in the news. Here's the thing. Because, like, the last line that Lori says in this uh, is, like, Oh, I know what John was saying. Nothing ever ends, you know? Yeah. Because Dan's like, Oh, you know, it'll all be all right in the end. And that whole line is is from the comics, but it's like it's slightly different. It's not a conversation between Dan and Laurie. It's a conversation between Doctor Manhattan and Osmond Diaz. And Osmond Diaz is like, you know, did I do the right thing in the end? Like, and Doctor Manhattan's like, this is nothing ever ends. Like, you know, there's always gonna be something. Oh yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's what Laurie and Dan are saying, and it kind of sounds like they're leaving it open for a sequel, and maybe they were, but I guess like this wasn't liked enough to constitute a sequel. <laughs> Well, um, uh, then, uh, but yeah, so. But then they get to the the newspaper place, and like Scott said, you know, it's the guy, and it's funny because the guy from the newspaper, like the the errand boy, it seems, in this uh, yeah. sequence, he's wearing a green t shirt with a yellow smiley face on it, like it, it's exactly like the comic, and he's basically like looking for a story, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll just go to like the junk pile or whatever and in the junk pile sitting ever so beautifully is Rorschach's journal and it ends with like Rorschach's narration his first one where it's like tonight the comedian died yeah. da, 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 da. so it kind of leaves it open for like yeah this isn't over well I think it, the end of it I think it's like this plan will now unravel with the truth coming out right and I do want to mention, like, I got excited at the end when I saw the guy, because it's another guy from Supernatural. <laughs> it's time to stop. It's time to stop, okay? No more. Where the fuck are your parents? He drops jelly on himself. Yeah. Uh, he was a guy from season two of Supernatural. <laughs> I recognized him immediately. Yeah, the fact that you could post season two. Yeah. I, can, I remember his name, too. It was Ronald. <laughs> In Supernatural, <laughs> he yeah he got he he got shot. I actually think I remember him too. Now that you brought it mm. up, so that was Watchmen. Yes, uh, I just looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes just to see because obviously it seemed like they were leaving it open for a sequel, but obviously they didn't go that route. Um, but it's got a sixty-four critic rating and a seventy-one percent audience, so it's not that bad. That seems about right. The budget for this. Was roughly like 130 million. Yeah. And the box office uh, was 185 million. So, so it, it made a profit, I guess, but not like a lot. A lot. It basically broke even. Yeah. So it makes sense, I guess, why they didn't think that it would be it would be lucrative enough to make a sequel. But I I liked the movie. Also, there's no material on this sequel, so right. But you can do a lot with it. Like, and make your own. That's why sequel. I guess they made the TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a. It's definitely. It's not a bad movie, I would no. say, at all. 
Uh, I think it definitely has problems. Yes. But as far as Zack Snyder goes, it's probably one of the least problematic Zack Snyder movies I've seen. So that's something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, again, the reason that we sh I showed it because you read the book, yeah. the graphic novel, so I was like, okay, so we got to do this now. Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it because I wanted to see what they did with it. I think, I mean, they were very faithful to it. I w it did not have to be two and a half hours long. Yeah. But overall, Like, if you got to stand in, like, 2.15. Yeah, yeah, that would be fine. And then, you know, you could release, like, a extended cut. An extended yeah. Snyder cut. You know you know how Snyder is with the extended cuts. I don't care about the Snyder cut. Stop. <laughs> Everybody stop bringing no, it No, nobody up. cares about the Snyder cut. A lot anyway, of people do, but... They, they should. For what? For, for uh, Justice League. They want the Snyder cut. Why? Just let it go. Let it go. Like Elsa. Like Elsa on Mars with the glass castle. Just let it go. <laughs> so, Frankie, what's your rating of Watchmen? Uh, overall, I would give it a 3 out of 5. Solid 3 out of 5. Yeah, I'm about I'm exactly the same, but 3 out of 5. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, some of the performances. I enjoyed the fact that it was loyal to the novel. I really loved Rorschach in this. I loved the comedian in this. Um, but yeah, there were definite issues, um, yeah. but not enough to make me hate it, so. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a good adaptation. I would say it's a good adaptation, yeah. It, but like, not, there's some issues with the execution, yeah. but overall it's a good adaptation. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that the world is really cool, too, and I can see why they probably revisited the world. Right. Who knows? Because uh, that series apparently did really well, uh, so maybe we'll get more Watchmen in the future. Glad we watched it. Yes. <laughs> get it? Watch ah, Watchmen. Who watches, <laughs> watches the Watchmen? Watchmen. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, God, we're terrible. Yeah. Uh, so next week, I'm going to be introducing Scott to uh, yet another gem of a film. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready for that one. Oh, well, you're going to be. <laughs> You'll get there, don't worry. So, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check out our Letterboxd accounts on Frankie Sparks and Scott Eisenberg individually. And also, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at Shoot the Flick. Yep. And make sure you come back every single week for brand spanking new content. We'll see you next time, guys. Adios. Adios.